0: Hello, and welcome to Not A Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are talking about Season 5, Episode 10, The Honeymoon's Over.
1: Okay, so straight up, that is a weird title for this episode. It's
0: a really weird title because the honeymoon's not over. Like, half of the episode is Grace going on her honeymoon.
1: And the other half is her being back from the honeymoon.
0: But, like, nothing has really changed or, like...
1: Right, like... Fucked and, up
0: her relationship with Leo. Right,
1: considering that the episode was titled The Honeymoon's Over, it was... Like, Leo wasn't even in the episode. Yeah, that and was weird. Race
0: was barely in the episode. Yeah. It was weird. It was very strange. Uh, but let's go to the Hulu description, and then we're going to jump into the episode. After a displaced Karen is booted from her palace hotel digs, a sympathetic Will agrees to let her move in with him. So, I think let's just talk about... That a little bit as we get into the episode, because mm-hmm. um, we've already kind of talked about how Grace is weirdly not in this episode. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what else there is to say about that other than that that's kind of weird.
1: Yeah. So instead, what we feature is this sort of strange recurring bit about Karen and how she got herself thrown out of the hotel that she was staying at. Mm-hmm. And so the story we get goes like this. You know how I love Aerosmith, right? And nobody knew that about Karen.
0: First of all, I just want to say that when I heard that line the first time, I thought Karen said, you know how I'm in Aerosmith, right? (laughs) And everyone just nodded along, and I was like, you know what, that makes sense.
1: Honestly, Karen could be in Aerosmith. Anyways, but apparently she threw a big rager and got herself thrown out of the hotel, and now no hotel in New York City (laughs) will have her, because she made that much of a mess.
0: I actually think this is kind of a clever plot. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the idea of Will and Karen getting pushed together. I'm always very pro that pairing. I also love the idea that, like, Karen is, like, a complete disaster who would get thrown out of not just one hotel, but every hotel in New York City.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, she did not just casually trash a hotel room. She trashed one so epically that the mm-hmm. entirety of New York's hotels got together and went,
0: yeah. nope. <laughs> like, that's, just, that's a really strong idea for a plot. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually executed fairly well here.
1: Yeah, so we kind of see Karen is in this very... Bizarre manic state for most mm-hmm. of the episode. Like I remember saying to Matthew, it sort of felt like for the first half of the episode that Karen was being played by Molly Shannon, and no one was talking about.
0: Yeah. it. Yeah, it's like this was the first episode I think of this, or I think this is the first season where we don't have Molly Shannon come back. Mm-hmm. But Molly Shannon was in the room; her presence was here. Her
1: spirit was with. She us. was
0: possessing Mega Malali. Like
1: I feel like she called. She called Molly Shannon and went. Molly, how would you play this scene?
0: She had a... Shannon's. I'm
1: sorry, was that a seance joke? Yes. That doesn't work. Molly Shannon's not dead. Isn't she? (laughs) Yeah, so anyways... (laughs) Moving swiftly onward from that one. Karen is apparently having some sort of... Emotional... Response... To change.
0: Yeah, that was the only thing about this episode I didn't love, is that I think the setup's great. Oh. I can even live with her playing this more Molly Shannon rhythm. hmm But the episode chalks it all up to her feelings about Will and Grace not living together anymore.
1: Right, and...
0: And the weird thing is, like, even after, like, saying, like, oh, well, I, I can tell you're really upset about your divorce from Stan.
1: Right. She was like, no, it's not that. I'm upset about the two of you breaking up. Mm-hmm. And, first of all, I just, how is the response to two of your friends no longer living together to throw a big party and invite old dirty bastard back to your friend's apartment and trash it? And then, if that is the response, why does that upset you so much? Like, I, it's, the thing is, she's treating this as if Will and Grace have broken up. Mm -hmm. When we've actually seen them break up already this season, and she wasn't nearly this upset about Mm it. So I, I. I am, I am confusion. America, explain.
0: <laughs> I think, like, kind of like we were talking about like, her, she's kind of channeling Molly Shannon in this episode. I think part of the problem is that Karen is being used as a vessel, not by Satan for once, mm-hmm. but by like all of these different like plot ideas that the writers could channel through other positions. You know, like Molly Shannon could do some of this bit. Right. Some of the abandonment stuff feels very true to Jack's point of view.
1: Right.
0: A, a lot of the complicated feelings feel like things that Will should be expressing.
1: Right. But instead, it's sort of like the car- the the writers went, we don't know what to do with all these emotions, so we're just going to give them to Karen, who doesn't usually have any.
0: And it's so strange because the episode doesn't really need to do that. Like, as I said, like, they think it's about her divorce from Stan. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be out of character for it to be her divorce from Stan.
1: Right. Or even if they wanted to sort of put it as, like, a stacking thing. Like, my divorce from mm-hmm. Stan, now you know, whatever's happening with Jack. And now you two aren't living together and Grace is married mm. and this is a lot of change for me at once.
0: Something funny about Rosario having a life outside of her apartment. You know, like...
1: Right, exactly. They could have used this as a way to make Karen a real human person with actual human emotions. And instead, she becomes like a weird party animal slash eight-year-old child who mm-hmm. runs away to get herself an ice cream cone.
0: Right. It's just, it's frustrating because it feels like a lot of the... Dealing with the emotions of Will and Grace's breakup, quote-unquote, are being pushed onto this character who they don't fit organically on.
1: Right. It just, it is strange to me that a lot of these feelings aren't happening with Will or Grace. It's like the show decided after our rooftop emotional moment in the wedding episode that we were done talking about this. Right. And I think that that's just not
0: fair to the show as a whole. Well, it's not fair to Will. I mean, it it portrays it as if... Their rooftop conversation wiped away all of his concerns about her marrying Leo.
1: Right. And now he's just hunky-dory with it.
0: Right. Like, but that's clearly not true. At minimum, he doesn't like Leo. Right. Like, we didn't get the, like, Nathan heel turn yet where, like, they're hanging out and going to gay bars together. Like, as far as we can tell, they still don't like each other. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of misgivings about their relationship happening so fast. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of misgivings about Grace moving out altogether.
1: Right, I mean, he's happy to have his own gift wrapping room, but at what
0: cost? Well, but that's just, it is that in this episode, he is happy to have his own gift wrapping room. He's not in there wrapping gifts and crying about how he's going to give gifts to Grace and she's never going to know what they are anymore because she's not snooping in his closet. You Mm -hmm. know, just as an example that I came up off the top of my head, Will and Grace writers from the past.
1: Yeah, it's just very frustrating because it seems like the the emotional side of Will's plot has just been dropped mm-hmm. and instead we're giving like messy non-real emotions to Karen and it's it's weird it's fucking weird and it's also weird that we don't see Grace have any feelings about any of this
0: mm-hmm. they don't even have to have be negative feelings I mean like think about you and I like mm-hmm. eventually one of us will probably have a first marriage
1: how dare you <laughs> eventually I will
0: have a first marriage thank you and like I'm sure there will be negative feelings about that, but there's going to be positive feelings, too.
1: Right. Like, even if you're, like, unsure about change, if your friend is happy, there would be a sort of happiness mm-hmm. that accompanied that. And if there wasn't, like, you'd probably be really vocal about why.
0: Right. I just... We've laid all the groundwork for Will and Grace to have really complicated human emotions about this. Or, at bare minimum, simple sitcom emotions.
1: Right. Like, frankly, the episode The Honeymoon's Over, what I think... Sh- if you're going to title an episode that way, it should have been about, you know, Grace and Will had this lovely conversation, mm-hmm. and then she thought everything was kosher, and then they came back, and he's like, no, I'm still upset about
0: That's this. exactly what I expected. I mean, think about, like, when Will ran away to the Caribbean at the end of season two. Right. And, like, he came back, and not everything was actually resolved. Like, right. That had more of a Will and Grace need to be on the same page than we have now, where they legitimately aren't on the same page.
1: Right, exactly. And like also the fact that the title is The Honeymoon's Over, there was literally no conflict where Leo was involved at all. Yeah. And that's just frustrating. I I understand that the show is probably trying really hard not to keep hitting on the Will and Leo Don't Get Along button. Uh-huh. But frankly, in an episode titled The Honeymoon's Over, that was almost necessary. Mm -hmm. Like, he is going to be a main source of conflict between our two best friend characters, and we need to see that conflict. We can't just pretend everything is fine. We know everything's not Mm -hmm. fine. It's so not fine that Karen is having some sort of regressive Mm -hmm. mental breakdown.
0: And believe me, like, there's a certain level to which Lily was a frustrating character. But on the other hand, it's nice that the sitcom is evolving and having a new source of conflict between Will and Grace that isn't Will and Grace acting like they don't actually like each other.
1: Right. This you know? One, right. This is a lot more they like each other, but they're trying to figure out how their relationship works when they, when one of them also really likes someone else.
0: Right. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that you normally would have in a sitcom with recurring guest star relationships, mm-hmm. but because Will and Grace can never do anything halfway, they have to have completely sexless Will and mm-hmm. Grace getting married.
1: After two months. Right. On a whim. With a dandelion.
0: And then a second whim later after Katie Couric shows up.
1: Lord. Still upset about it. Yeah, but it, it just, it was, it was a weird plot. Mm-hmm. I felt like it just didn't land. Like we just circled and circled and circled until we ran out of air and crash landed. With a
0: lot of funny bits.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm not saying it wasn't funny. Everything about Karen and Will living together was hilarious. Uh-huh. The moment when Karen came out and was like, When is the girl coming to turn down my bed? Right. was really funny. Will having to storm out so he could get any work done because Karen was loudly singing along to uh-huh. It's Not Unusual, which was starting to become like a reverse of the John Mulaney Salt and Pepper <laughs> Diner bit where it was just it's not unusual on Pete?
0: And then there was one What's New Pussycat? And you know what? This is actually something we talked about last week when we were talking about Marry Me a Little, Marry Me a Little Bit More, is that there's all this plot happening, and it really should be over more than two episodes. Right. I mean, it wouldn't be that weird to have a two to three episode arc where Karen lives with Will, Mm -hmm. and you could get all this out in a more organic way. Like, I'm I understand that part of this is that Will and Grace is trying to have its episodes be self-contained. Right. Because a lot of its viewers aren't watching it every week. But, its contemporaries and even shows from long beforehand have much more um, sequential plot lines. Like, think about the whole season of Friends where they switch apartments. Right. It's not like they reverse that the next episode. They spend the whole rest of the season in the other apartment.
1: Right. And like, thing that I found very frustrating was that earlier this season we have an episode where Karen is homeless Mm -hmm. and so then Grace eventually convinces her to move in and then she immediately moves into a hotel once Stan unfreezes her assets exactly it's like we're retreading this territory of Karen doesn't have a place to stay like it would have made much more sense in my mind if that had been a sequence that wasn't interrupted by Grace's unexpected
0: marriage well or even if it was like if Karen was staying with them And so then they have built up a, you know, Karen is in the apartment with them. Right. Then Grace gets married.
1: Right. And Karen is still living there, but now she has Grace's room. Right. It's like,
0: it kind of seems a lot of times like Will and Grace writers are writing the show in isolation from itself. Right. Like they don't
1: consult with the other writers who are writing the other episodes.
0: Yeah. And it's frustrating. here's, Here's my comparison being very nerdy. It's like when, so like when Marvel Comics prints 52 comics, it's even though they have literally the internet, and the writers can, like, Google, like, when's the last time this character was seen in the comics that I'm writing? Like, there are all these times where, like, all of a sudden, they'll just use a character because they want to use a character, and that character's been dead for, like, five years.
1: And they're like, oh, shit, better backtrack and come up with a reason.
0: Right. Or or not, as the case may be, but, you know.
1: But, yeah, exactly. It's, it's sort of frustrating that they have things that could have built up to a part, like, a, a sequence or... A, or an arc that carried through a good chunk of the season. Mm-hmm. And instead, they've made it into these weird vignettes that can don't connect. And so, it's like, and these are the two times this season that Karen inexplicably lived in that apartment for okay. no reason that are unconnected.
0: Yes. And it, it makes the season have less of an identity. Like, yes, this is the season where Grace gets married. But it could have also been the season where Karen lives in the apartment. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. I don't know. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Jack this week. Okay, so, the gay
1: mafia, you guys.
0: Jack's plotline works a lot better because there's the gay mafia.
1: Literally, I could have watched an entire episode of just Jack being paranoid about the gay mafia. I could that too. That was hilarious. I could,
0: watch, I could watch an hour-long episode about Jack being afraid of the gay mafia, running through the streets. Like, to a certain level, one of Will and Grace's flaws is that Jack is not treated like a main character sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of those times where, like, I could have literally watched an entire episode that was just from Jack's point of view uh-huh. Of him avoiding the gay mafia.
1: Yes. So essentially the setup is this. He kicked he kicked someone out of his new like school of acting because the person wouldn't make out with him. Which, we won't get into the iffy sexual harassment side of stuff. Yes. We'll just say that the person didn't make out with him and then he apparently sent the gay mafia after yes. Jack. Yes. And so we have this delicious tension throughout the entire episode where Jack is convinced the gay mafia is after him, and Will is like, the gay mafia isn't real, but then all of these things keep happening, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful.
0: And, like, the the great thing about it is, like, you know because it's a sitcom that the gay mafia will be real right. at the very end of the episode, but, like, they do a really good job of convincing you that it's not. like
1: Right, because, like, all of Jack's evidence is very, like, circumstantial at best Mm -hmm. it's things like he went to the hairdresser and he asked for a wash and a shampoo like a shampoo a condition and a dry yeah and his hair is flat and unmanageable because they didn't condition
0: right like it's you when you have these episodes on sitcoms it's always like circumstantial evidence but like this takes it to a whole new level where it's like really like really random stuff like the hair and he's he got served a plate of fish at a restaurant or a bar, and like right. it's really like someone sets down a plate next to him, and he's like, oh no, they want me to be sleeping with the fishes.
1: Right. And then there's that bit where he had talked about how sex in the city was gonna shoot in his apartment and now they weren't going to anymore. And it's because every PA on an HBO set is is gay because HBO equals H O M O
0: Really Crackerjack CAA work there. Frankly. Right. So
1: like Jack seems legitimately crazy right. throughout like, this entire episode. All of the things too are like
0: Obviously, like, they might not have conditioned your hair because you were a jerk to them. Or, obviously, Sex and City's not going to film in your apartment because clearly that's a dream you had. Like,
1: Right, like, you clearly, you did some blow and had a nice dream and that you thought was real, but it wasn't.
0: Right. Um, but I, it's just, it's just, I'm just overwhelmed by how great of an idea that is.
1: Right, and so, like, the culmination of this is Jack and Will go out to dinner and Jack is, like, reached a level of paranoia where he's genuinely checking over shelter, like, every every few seconds, and Uh he's just, he's so paranoid, because don't you know that every waiter in town is in the gay mafia, and so, like, (laughs) Will is, like, straight up telling him how ridiculous he's being, and so then Jack is, like, loudly announcing to the entire, like, I will let this student back in my class, and I apologize, and, um. I don't
0: know this man, I've never met this man, but you're paying for dinner, right? right. I've never met him, and I'm leaving now.
1: Yeah, and so then he, like, sneaks out of the restaurant, because he's convinced that he's got a hit out on him. And so Will is, like, gay mafia. And then the waiter spills wine on his new Gucci suit. So then the guy is like, watch out. Or next time it'll be red. And then Will turns around.
0: And it's Elton John! It's
1: Elton John! Elton John is the dawn of the gay mafia. I
0: love it. I 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 I had totally forgotten that Elton John guest starred on Will and Grace at all. Mm -hmm. But, like, what a perfect role. Like, this show actually... For all of its having guest stars, I feel like on this podcast we've been very dismissive of its guest stars.
1: Because often they are not utilized very
0: well. Elton John is used very well. Oh like, my this God, is yes. arguably better than Cher's first appearance. Not better than Cher's second appearance, divergent opinion. But, like, Cher's first appearance is very, like, shock value and very cool. But, like, Elton John is used very well within the episode for dramatic effect.
1: Yes, it's super, super hilarious. Because he just, he's just there and he's Elton John and now he's kind of threatening Will. And Will is sort of, like starstruck but
0: terrified and well and like here's the thing like for me like like being the age that i am like as i was growing up like elton john was always like oh yeah like elton john like he's gay whatever i like it took me a long time and before this episode aired to like realize that elton john used to be like kind of hardcore
1: oh yeah like
0: like scary though and like he's kind of like aged back into that weirdly even though now he has like a two-year-old which again is weird because he's like 70 Right. But, you know, whatever. He's but, British, yeah, like, Elton
1: John was kind of, like, hardcore back in the 70s. Like, right. Like... He was clearly doing a lot of drugs back then. He, he clearly could you. have
0: been in charge of the gay mafia. He like,
1: probably was.
0: Like, if there is anything like a gay mafia How in dare the world... How you
1: imply that there isn't a gay okay, mafia?
0: The gay mafia that clearly exists, that isn't going to come after our podcast, please, um, is clearly run by Elton John. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely people who've tried to, like, take out hits on him. Oh, yeah. Um... Ryan Murphy clearly runs a alternate West Coast capo (laughs) or something. It's so cool to see, like, him be so scary and so gay all at once.
1: Right. He's very hardcore and very intense and very scary and Mm -hmm. very gay. And he, like, literally uses the term, like, the bitch is back. And everyone, like... Peas and squeals and it's wonderful and then he like turns around and then comes back and he's like can I have two dollars for t- coat check please
0: <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, Will is like oh of course he's like of course. yes of
1: course please take my right two dollars and don't put a hit on me on the game mafia
0: <laughs> oh what an episode oh my
1: gosh that was wonderful that crocodile rocked my world
0: it, it really did <sighs> I think that's all we have to talk about
1: yeah Elton John uh, just once, sort of, you,
0: once you let's talk about Elton John you know
1: yeah Elton John he's just sort of like the the cherry on top
0: a way to put it. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to us this week. Tess, will you tell everyone where they can find us on social media?
1: All right. If you want to tweet at us and let us know what your favorite Elton John song is so the mafia, mafia doesn't come after you, you can find us at Show on Twitter. Um, you can also send us an email. We're notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. We also exist on Facebook and Tumblr, and our podcast is posted on iTunes and
0: Podbean. All right. Thanks very much for listening to us, everybody. We will be back next week with more Will and Grace. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode of Not A Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hello, Eliza. This episode of Not A Couple was sponsored by the Gay Mafia. They are totally real, and they are not going to come after us. We pay our dues. Gay